Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Anybody pumped up about that? Amen. It's exciting. Can't believe we nailed down all those speakers and, and uh, bands and musicians, all of that, just some world-class communicators. Uh, it's going to be life-changing, so you need to make sure March 17th you're here for that, but also April the 7th through the 10th, I promise you, it, you will not regret being here for those services. Today we are closing out our series entitled You Make Me Crazy, and I want to introduce today's speaker to close this series out. Uh, He's one of our own that started on the dream team here at Bethesda Church, and he has proven that you can serve your way into leadership because now he's the executive pastor of this church, oversees our staff on a day-to-day basis. We are so honored to introduce to you. I want you to stand and help me welcome our executive pastor here at Bethesda Church, Josh Nestor. Come on, show him some love today. Love you. Good morning. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you so much. Excited to be with you today. Last time I was with you a few months back, I uh, had the privilege of teaching on complaining. So I know y'all loved that one. And uh, today I, I know that it's not, you're not going to shout a lot at me, um, but I do have something that I want to share with you that's extremely important today. We're going to talk on the topic of who's pushing your buttons. And the root of all of that, to get under that, is we are going to teach on the four types of anger. I know, you're excited. You look it, just so you know. Um, How many people have enjoyed the series, You Make Me Crazy? Anybody? I love this series because... It's so A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four. I love everything that's structured and laid out, very practical, and um, it's just exciting to get to come and close message four out, and the last Sunday that we have three services, so this is, uh, this is exciting. I remember nine and a half years ago um, when I came, and we had one, and then we had the discussions of going to two, and then we went to three. Going back to two, it's, it's going to be amazing when you guys get to see what all that's going to look like over there when it's done, it's going to be mind-blowing. So I'm super excited for that on March 17th. Um, But today I want to share with you on who's pushing your buttons. So as I started thinking about that this week, I went to Google and I Googled the top pet peeves since we're talking about anger. So if any of these apply to you and any of these frustrate you by a show of hands, When I name them off, I would like you to raise your hand with me so I know who I'm talking to when I get to which part. Number five, according to Google, top five pet peeves. People who stand in the middle of the aisle in the grocery store. God is not in that. If that is you, you are better than that, just so you know. You are better. My favorite part about that is that you're standing eight inches from them and they, it's like you're invisible. 
They don't even see that you just need to get a box of Cheerios and move on with your day. They're like, nah, they can wait till I'm done having this 17-minute conversation. Maybe that's just me. A little frustration right there. Number four, according to Google, is pushy salespeople or telemarketers. Yeah, I know. I feel that. Uh, Pastor Sam and I were talking last week that they, they've gotten extremely smart. Somebody called him from his own number the other day to sell him something. How does that even work? I was like, man, that's weird. Number three, talking or texting during a movie. Those people are the worst, just so you know. The worst. Like, I paid a bajillion dollars to sit here with my jumbo tub of popcorn. And now you're going to text through this whole movie. Put it away. You're better than this. You're better than this. Number two, leaving shopping carts in parking spaces. I can't even go there. I can't. can't do that today. Number one, when people are on their phones during dinner or during a discussion. Yes. Put it away. Be present in the moment. Be here now. Put it away. You can wait 20 minutes, okay? Nobody's that important. Hallelujah. One of the most amazing things about talking about this topic of people pushing your buttons is, is that you can be having an amazing day and that one person or this one situation gets brought to your attention and automatically your day goes from living your best life, as Pastor Jay would say, to chaos in 1.2 seconds. Then for the rest of the day, your day is ruined and you're frustrated and you're mad. You take it out on everybody else that you come in contact with. Why do we let people do that to us? We're going to unpack a little bit of that today. Um, but what you need to know about me is that I'm very structured. I'm very order. I like everything to be bullet point fashion so I can check a box off and move forward. And so that being said... I've been married about 10 years now, and uh, early on in our marriage, I found something that pushes my wife's buttons. And um, so any day, like today, um, I left the house before she did. When I left a little after five, she was still in bed, so I went and did the routine and got ready and all of those things. Okay, this is where this, they say confession's good for the soul. So this is where you see how I'm wired. I can't leave the house if stuff is not in order. So I get, do everything and I'm ready to walk out the door and then this thought comes into my mind. I'm like, I can't leave till I do this. So I sneak back into our bedroom and I make my side of the bed while my wife is still in her side. I can't help it. That's just who I am. Like I can't, I can't leave it messy. And so my wife will tell me all the time, you know we're just coming back in that later. Yes, I do, but that's not excellent. Being excellent is leaving everything done the right way every time. And so I expect people to do the right thing every time. And sometimes that's awesome and sometimes that's a detriment. But it's just who I am. That's how I'm wired. You can laugh. It's okay. I made my bed while my wife was still in it. Doesn't even phase her anymore. She just sleeps. I make my side of the bed. It's this whole understanding. We're good to go. We're good. She knows it's going to happen. 
It's just how I'm wired. But the thing is, is that if we're going to have healthy relationships, we've got to learn how to deal with our anger and frustration. I'll joke and get inside. We really have to deal with that topic that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about anger or being frustrated or taking it out on their loved ones, but that's where we're going to go today. So I just ask that you open your heart as we get ready to till this up and ask that it finds fertile soil. So let me give you some facts about anger that I found out as I was doing some searches this week. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. Guys, be quiet because your time's coming. Three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. Listen, I'm coming back to y'all, don't y'all? Y'all know how this goes. We're going, I told you I'm structured. We're going all the way around. Women get angry more often at people, and men get angry more often at things, computers, mechanical problems, things that don't work right. Women are more verbal with their anger, and men are more physical with their anger. Another interesting fact that I found is single adults express anger twice as often as married adults. The place that you're most likely to express anger is at home because we get angry more often and more intensely at those we love other than strangers. The people who make you the most angry are those you love the most because they have the greatest potential to hurt you, to offend you, or to harm you. I want you to know that anger is not always an inappropriate response. There are certain things that you should get mad about. Uncontrolled anger, hear me, is always wrong. It's always wrong. Uncontrolled anger is always wrong. But anger is not always. Like if somebody tried to hurt my kids or my wife, I would get pretty mad and we'd have to do whatever we had to do to settle that situation. Anybody with me? With y'all lying in church. (laughs) Got to give me something to work with. I can preach all day. So the faster you give me something to work with, the faster I get done. But if I don't get angry at certain things, it means that I don't love, it means that I'm apathetic. There's some things that we ought to get angry about. The Bible says that even God got angry. God has emotions too. And in 375 times in the Bible, God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit got angry. 375 times. See, there's a righteous anger. And there's an unrighteous anger. There's a right way and a wrong way. In Ephesians 4, 26, the Bible says, When you get angry, do not sin, which leads me to believe that you can be angry and not sin. Let me show you a few verses out of the book of Proverbs. We're going to hit these pretty quick. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, If you cannot control your anger, you are as a helpless city without walls open to attack. In other words, it means you're defenseless and people will manipulate your life. Do you realize that when you say, when you you get in an argument or you get frustrated with somebody, have you ever been in that moment where somebody gets so mad they can't speak? And it's like, you make me, you... When you make that statement of you make me or you drive me or you whatever, it means that you have given those people full control over your life. You are saying that they control your every thought, move, and emotion. Scary, isn't it? It means that we are 
just like that scripture that we're open to attack. Proverbs 12, 16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. It's easier said than done, but sometimes the best thing for your life is to let that roll off your back. Sometimes the best thing is just let it roll off your back. Proverbs 16, 32 says, It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. In other words, I better have me in line. Right? We better be able to control ourselves, control our emotions. The fact is, is that anger is a learned response. You learned it from somebody. So rather you learned it from a TV show or a parent or a grandparent or a sibling, somebody at work, you have learned anger and how you express it somewhere in your life. Learned it somewhere in our life. Many, many bad examples. Many, many bad examples in each of our lives of people that have expressed anger in the wrong way. The good news is that since it's learned, it can be unlearned. And that's something that we need to be striving for. You're going to hear more about that as we move forward. But today I want you to understand the different types of anger so that you will be able to recognize them when you're in that moment, when somebody's pushing your buttons, when you're frustrated, when you're mad, when you're upset. You need to be able to know and call it like you see it. So today I'm going to talk to you about the four types of anger. They're not all just like volcano anger. That's one type, right? But not all types are like that. And while some of us in this room, that's not how we express anger, there are other ways that are just as bad as that way that we're going to talk about tonight. So I want you to be able to identify them and what the Bible says about them. Then after we do these four, I want to give you a couple practical things of how to diffuse those and how to make your life better. So the Bible identifies four different ways that we express anger. The first category of the way people express anger is the machine gun. Everybody's seen this one, right? It's that volcano anger, and it just kind of comes out, and it mows everybody down, and there's no doubt, bless God, they know you're mad because you're face is red and the veins popping out in your forehead and you're going to tell them like you see it and you're going to cuss and all those things. See how quiet got? <laughs> we all have either been that person or know somebody who has been that person that that's the way that they express anger. Machine gun anger. They're just going to let you have it. They're going to mow you down. There's no doubt that they're mad. These people are what I call exploders or walking time bombs. You can pull the pin and they go off. They're very obvious. This is the most obvious kind of anger. We've all seen it. They explode all over other people. There's a story, and some of you are old enough to remember, a college football coach by the name of Woody Hayes. Um, he coached Ohio State. Um, he won five national championships there. Great coach, from what I understand, all the research that I did, but he had one problem. He couldn't control his temper. So one time in 1978 in a Gator Bowl, he was coaching Ohio State playing Clemson. They were driving for the game-winning score with two minutes to go on the 25-yard line. His quarterback dropped back on third down and threw an interception that ended the game. The gentleman that caught the interception ran out of bounds right where Coach Hayes was standing. 
And you can see if you Google this video and you go back and you watch it, there's like a five to six second pause where he's really deciding what he's going to do. What he ended up doing was lining the guy up. This guy's three times the size. You can see in the video, he squares him up and he literally throat punches him where there's no padding. Fired on the spot, his career was over because of one moment of him not being able to control his anger. He lost everything that he had worked for for the past 40 years. Everything. In one moment, his career was over because he couldn't control his anger. These are the kinds of people that we see in the paper or on TV all the time that it just comes out. The Bible's example of someone like this would be Cain. Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve, and Cain committed the first murder out of anger. Genesis 4, 5 says this, Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. And we're going to jump down to verse 8. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. I want you to circle the word attacked if you're taking notes. This is the response of the first form of anger, the attacker, the machine gun. This response is so obvious. The people who have this type of anger immediately regret it. And they immediately know that they've messed up and they immediately try to go and fix it. But how many know that you can't unsay things even if you didn't mean them? No amount of I'm sorry can fix that sometimes. That's not the only kind of anger. The second kind of anger besides the machine gun is what I call the mute. The mute is the exact opposite. They don't blow up, they clam up. Mutes don't get violent, they get silent. They hold it in and they live in denial and they masquerade and they pretend. And anytime you ask them if they're mad, no, I'm not mad. They're stewing on it. This is not exploding type of anger. This is what I call crockpot anger because they let that baby simmer. And it doesn't matter if it's a month or two months or three months. I don't even know what I did to them and they can be mad at me six months down the road and they've never forgot it because it's been bubbling this whole time. Crockpot anger. It's a slow burn. It just simmers. The mutes swallow their anger, which is scary because here's the problem. Every time you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score. If you don't talk it out, you're going to take it out on your body. So people who have the mute anger, they tend to hold all their anger, push it down. They get high blood pressure. They get chronic pain. They get tension headaches. They get ulcers and all kinds of other anger effects take place on their body. A good example of a mute in the Bible would be prophet Jeremiah. The Bible calls him the weeping prophet because he cried a lot. He held in his anger. He pushed everything down. He was mad at what was going on around him, but he never did anything about it. And I've talked to a lot of people over the years. I've been doing this a long time. And when they come and sit in my office, they're like, da 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 and I'm like, you can't just push and push. At some point, you've got to be strong enough to have a crucial conversation. At some point, you're not ever going to get better if you can't talk about it with somebody. You have got to learn to communicate. You can't just push down and push down. Jeremiah 15, 17, and 18 says, I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering and why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that over the years. 
Pastor, why won't they? Why can't I? Why won't he heal me? Why won't he? Because obviously there's something inside that you're not dealing with. And God wants you to be able to develop into your full potential. And he can't do that if you're harboring anger or bitterness or stubbornness. You have to remove those things in order for him to take you where he wants you to go. It's typical of a mute to be isolated, to go off by themselves, to be silent. But something I really, you not by a show of hands, I just, I, I want to ask you a question that I'm going to come back to later. And I want you to be thinking as we go through the rest of this. Is there anything in your life right now, any kind of uncontrolled anger that is hindering you from going to the next level? It's really important. You know, I've heard the expression, that burns me up. Well, this type of personality type of how they deal with anger, it literally does. Because it's like them swallowing poison. It's like them being in a war. There's bullets constantly going back and forth. And they're literally putting themselves in harm's way because they're not talking about the issues. So we've got machine guns and we've got mutes. We've got the violent and the silent. Number three, a third kind of anger response. Many of us are this, the martyrs. Martyrs are pros at holding pity parties and inviting ourselves. <laughs> We're really, really good at it. Martyrs are always passive and they tend to punish themselves. So, as an example, if somebody crazy came into their life, it's not about that individual. It's always about what's wrong with me. Why am I not good enough? Why am I not better? Why is my calling not good enough? I want to be so, so, and so. But that's not the way that this works. Martyrs. They always think something's at fault with them, within themselves. The number one sign that you take the martyr approach to anger, hear me, is depression. Depression is caused by many, many things. We know that. But one of the causes of depression is frozen anger. And in this anger response type, normally you will freeze it. You will put it inside and internalize it. And then you will freeze it and it will stay there for years and years and years. And then that starts to affect you in other ways. If you let anger and bitterness freeze in your life, it will turn into depression. A good example of, the mar of a martyr in the Bible would be the brother in the story of the prodigal son. This is what really messed me up this week when I was studying over this. Is We know the story that the father has two sons. And the one wants half the inheritance, and the father gives it to him, and he goes away, and he squanders it. He ends up coming back. The father throws a party. But that's where we stop reading, because we normally stop on that last line, where the father accepts him, throws the party, because unconditional love welcomes him back. The next part is, is that the older brother gets mad, and I think so many times with my personality type, this is where we are. This is where I am, at least is that I've always been the good person. I've always done everything you told me to do. And bless God, you never gave me a feast. You never gave me, you never gave me, even though I've been here all along, done everything you've asked me to do. And if you look in Luke 15, 28, it says the elder brother was so angry, he wouldn't even go into the party. His father went out and pleaded with him. Now, this should be the happiest moment for this father ever. His son that was lost just came home after doing all kinds of crazy stuff that he shouldn't have done. He come home, the father welcomes him back. 
And instead of getting to enjoy this moment with the son that came home, now the other son's the issue. He says, I'm not going in. You never treated me like that. He's special. Da, 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 da. So he, he has to leave the party and he goes out and talks to his son. I need you to come in because so and so and there's a whole exchange. But what jumped out this week was that technically this father had two prodigals. He had the one that left, but he also had the one because his heart was never there. And I think so many times we get like that when we take this anger response approach. I think so many times we're the older brother. We're the brother that stayed and we get frustrated and we get angry because so and so happened. But the fact is, is that many of us have these types of people in our family. Like they always have to be pleaded with. If they're not happy, nobody's happy. And they can just ruin the party for everybody. And they can just ruin the party for everybody. That's just as wrong as the machine gun exploder. I mean, because that, that father should have been able to have that moment of joy. Number four. The fourth kind of anger is what I call the manipulators. This one's fun. The motto of a manipulator is, I don't get mad, I get even. See, y'all know that one. Throw that out there. Call it like I see it. Very black and white. Uh, a lot of TV shows and movies are built on this category of anger. Manipulators will never tell you to your face they're angry with you. They're going to do it quietly, discreetly. They're going to do it sarcastically with indirect jibs and cuts at you. They're going to sabotage you. And just when you think you're going to catch them in the act, they're over here. And when, if you ever do finally catch them coming at you, their first response is, Oh, that's not what I meant. Can't you take a joke? Didn't you know I was just joking? That's the response with the manipulators. Here's the scary part is that religious people, church folks are super good at this one. Religious people can be really good because they spin all their anger into spiritual terms, which I've never understood. So have you guys ever heard, I was grieved in my spirit, pastor. I've heard that a lot over the years. Pastor, I was going to go and bless sister so-and-so, but I was grieved in my spirit. I just don't think she's living right. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to go be a blessing. What does that even mean? It means you're mad at her. It means you're not going to do it. Just call it like you see it. Don't try to be spiritual and all of these things. Just because you say grieved in my spirit doesn't mean you're not mad and bitter. Here's my favorite one, though. I've heard this thousands of times. In the Bible Belt... You can get away with almost any comment or action as long as at the end of it you say, bless their heart. God bless their heart. Y'all know that one, see? Funny how that works. Why don't we just say what we mean? Why don't we just call it like we see it and be truthful up front and move on with life? An example of this in the Bible would be the Pharisees the religious leaders of the day. And in Luke 6, 11, the Pharisees were mad at Jesus because he was awesome and they weren't. 
It says in verse 11, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let me break that down for you. It means they began to plot how they were going to get even. How they were going to get even. See, all four of these ways, the machine gun, the martyr, the manipulator, the mute, none of these are actually helpful responses when dealing with anger. But the cool thing is, is that you can unlearn all of them. But generally, everybody falls in one of those four categories. You may say, where do we go from here? Well, you need to learn how that we can disarm people who use these tactics against us. How do we deal with crazy makers who push our buttons? How do you deal with your own anger and not get mad back? I'm going to give you five very practical steps, and then we're going to be done. They're going to be very quick, so if you're taking notes, please write quickly, or pull it up on the app, they'll all be there. But the Bible teaches five good practical things. Number one, calculate the cost of anger. Before you allow yourself to get mad, know that anger is always going to cost you something. How high of a price are you willing to pay to be able to retaliate in that moment? It's a war in the mind. There's something you're going to have to decide in that moment if you're going to get angry or if you're going to defuse the situation. You have to calculate the cost. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry person causes trouble, and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. You're going to get in trouble more often and sin more if you get angry. It's just what the Bible says about it. Proverbs 14, 29, Anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 14, 27, People with hot tempers do foolish things. Whew, y'all shouting me down. Keep it quiet a little bit. Bring it down a little. So if I get angry, here's the cost. I'm going to get in more trouble. I'm going to sin more. I'm going to cause arguments. I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to do a lot of foolish things. Hear me. Anger destroys relationships faster than anything else. I've met people over the years that haven't talked to their loved ones in decades. <clears throat> decades. They don't even remember what they're fighting about anymore. But nobody was ever the bigger person and said, you know what? Let's go to coffee. We need to sit down and have a crucial conversation. I need to let some of this stuff go. I need to free you from some of the stuff that I've been holding you in. So number one is the cost of anger. Proverbs 14, 29 says this, Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper make mistakes. Number two, this one's extremely important. This may be the most important of the five. You have to look past people's words to their pain. You have to look past their words to their pain. You don't respond to what they're saying. We have a saying with the staff all the time that you never, ever in a situation diagnose the symptom. You always diagnose the root. Because a symptom is going to lead to another one and another one and another one, just like any medical TV show. There's always going to be something else. But if you can really get to the root of why somebody's angry or bitter or frustrated, I can work with that. We can really start to speak to that and start to see some healing come. Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their anger. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. That one is 
jumps out to me because that's so countercultural. Because everybody wants to get mad when everybody gets mad. And very rarely do you see a segment of people saying, no, nah, it's good, they're good, let it go. We don't do that anymore. We don't overlook wrongs. Everything, bless God, we get mad about. You've got to learn to overlook some wrongs. You'll have a lot more peace if you do that. Pastor Chad has said this many times. You've heard him say, hurt people, they hurt people. And so you have to really learn to hear their words, not their actions and their frustration. When somebody's hurting, it's because they've been hurt and they're still hurting. Unkind people are people who have never felt kindness. Unloving people are people who still currently feel unloved. When somebody is mean and cranky, it means that they're telegraphing to us in as loud of terms as possible, I am in pain. Now I want you to hear this next part. What they need is not what they deserve. It's hard, even as black and white as I am. What they need is not the treatment that they deserve. So you have to decide in this moment if you are going to overcome evil with good or if you are going to retaliate on their level. That's the only choice in this moment when you're frustrated and angry and mad. <clears throat> you have one of two choices. As the band comes, when you attack somebody, it puts you below them. When you get even with somebody, it puts you on the same level. And when you respond with love and kindness, it puts you above them, meaning morally speaking, morally superior. You've chosen to take the high road. Pastor Chad says all the time that there's not a lot of traffic on the extra mile, meaning that if you take the high road, there's not very many people going to do that. We should be people that take the high road in every situation because the Bible talks about that we should forgive as he forgave us. Who am I to sit here and hold anger and bitterness toward anybody when I know how messed up I was and what he forgave me from? If you want to get even with people, fine. That's on you. It means you're no better than they are. To be the better person, you have to always decide to overcome evil with good. You have to always respond with love. And we have to look past their pain. Number three, we have to think before reacting. This one's hard because in the moment you just want to fly off the handle and respond however it feels best. When somebody starts to push your buttons and they want to irritate you, they will either do it visually or hidden. We must think before we speak because anger control, hear me, anger control is largely mouth control. You put your brain in gear before you put your mouth in gear. So don't tell me I can't control it. Yes, you can. You put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Proverbs 13 and 16 says, Sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 29 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. If you research this and break it down in the Hebrew in this passage, it actually means that he cools it. He waits for it to cool before he goes back to the situation. The more you understand, the more understanding you'll be. 
the more fruit of the Spirit we put in, the more prayer life we put in, the more word we put in, the more prayer we put in, the more understanding we will be in those moments when people make us mad. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1, it says a gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. Man, I've been on the wrong side of that a few times. Seen the opposite of that a lot. Number four, we have to ask God for help. I think so often we forget the part in the word where it says that he will leave the 99 for the one. Sometimes we get so mighty and righteous and all of those things. Well, bless God, that's not the way I want them to do it. How many of us have forgot that at every point in one of our lives, we were the one? We were the one. He had to leave what he was doing to come and rescue us. So we have to ask God for help. And what that means is, is if you're struggling with anything, whether it's anger or addiction, a lot of things fall in this category. I'm not going to name them all for the sake of time. But if there's anything in your life that you can't have an honest conversation about, then it means you're still a slave to it. If there is anything that is controlling you and you can't even go to God about it, it means it already has full control of your life. It's full blown. It's not just this little white lie over here or this. It means that it literally is already controlling you if you can't take it to God or to somebody else. So we have to ask God for help. The most important key, as you all stand with me, is that we must base our identity in Jesus. We must base our identity in Jesus if we are going to really love people and overcome evil with good and not get mad and frustrated. And as every head gets bowed and every eye gets closed, if you really want to change, we've got to change what our identity is built on. So many times if you're wired like me, we like to find our worth in work and tasks in the number of boxes that we check off. And so many times in my life, I have forgotten that He is the one that I have to be dependent on. He is the one that is my supplier, my help in time of need. It is There's nothing that I can do that it has to be Him. I have to base myself in who He is and not who I am. And if we try to build our identity on anything else, we will fall and we will fail. God, I thank you for your word today. God, I ask that it finds fertile ground. God, deep within hearts, God. God, that even this very moment, God, that you would be working in hearts and minds and lives. If this is you today, and you struggle with anything that we've talked about or any of these four types of processing anger, and I'll go call you out, I literally would just like you to notify that by throwing your hand up. I want to pray a special prayer for you. I think that there's going to be freedom in this moment. Thank you for the hands that are going up. There's going to be freedom and power in this moment, God, as we pray. 
God, right now, God, you see each and every hand that went up. God, you know each and every internal struggle. God, I ask that, that God, that you would help us to know that you are all sufficient, God, that, that we have to base our identity in you. And God, that you would divinely appoint each and every step, God. I break bondage, God, right now. God, I ask for freedom, God, from anger and depression and anxiety, God. I ask that you would just release us, God, to take us to the next level. God, I ask that you would rid us of bitterness and that, God, in this moment, God, that you would help and that you would allow us to deal with our issues, God, so that you can take us where you want us to go and that we can reach our full passion and our full potential in you and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As your heads are still bowed, I just want to speak to anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus. You say, my life's a mess, or I knew him at one point, and it's been a long time since I've, I've heard his voice, or since I've had relationships, since I put any effort into this. Well, today's your day. Today's a new day. And I just want you to throw your hand up. I'm not going to pull anybody out. We're not going to do that. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if that's you right at this moment, I just want you to throw your hand up. I want to pray with you. God, I thank you for your word. If you're watching online, there's a button that you can hit there as well. We'd love to pray with you in this moment. We'd love today to be the brand new start of a new journey for you. God, I thank you so much for your word and for these amazing people. God, I ask that you would bless them coming and going. God, that you would just set the table for them. God, that this truly would be the year of favor. And that, God, that you would open up springs, God, where that it looked like they were dry. God, that you would raise things up that were dead. God, that you would bring dreams and callings back to life, God. And that you would help to remind each and every one of us, God, that as long as we have breath in our lungs, God, that you have something on this earth for us to do. And all these things, we will never fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we get ready, as the prayer team and staff comes, the band is going to lead us in another song of worship. And if you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Not just for you, we would love to pray with you for whatever you are believing for today. Thank you guys so much for letting me be with you. I've had a blast. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.